You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick and Jill, you can give us a call at one 332 8255. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Beautiful. It's okay. <laughs> Beautiful, calm day. Look at that out there. Yeah. It's just like calm compared to the winds we've had. Yeah. And a well, little bit of sunshine for Saskatoon. I think it's still a little cloudy in Regina yeah. this morning, but well, it's a cooler good. day. It's good because I just talked to my son last night and he lives in Kelowna with all those fires oh, around yeah. there. And he says, like the calm like today, that's what they had, they had yesterday in mm-hmm. Kelowna. So it's... Uh, uh, that was a relief to them that yeah. they kind of slow those fires down because he's away from, he's on the other side of town from the clone, from mm-hmm. the fires. But my, my daughter has a home there, which is the fires at the bottom of her mountain. Oh, wow. So yeah, they're evacuated right they're now. They're evacuated. Those houses are all mm-hmm. evacuated where she, where her, same her, with her father-in-law. Yeah. And they're her father-in-law, evacuated. he's evacuated too. And yeah, so he's in another area there in West Kelowna. So yeah, it's kind of, um, What's happening in Yellowknife all over BC? It's, yeah, it's really crazy what happened in Maui. Like these fires and what's yep. happening in the climate is just incredible. Yep. It's just devastating. Yeah, um, to see it and to see it so close to home. I think that a lot of people from Saskatchewan when they travel out, yeah. out west, yep. especially to Kelowna in the summertime. So I think that this, that one especially is hitting close to home for lots of people here in Saskatchewan. Yeah, it's one of those ones where it's uh, it's not quite as arm's length away as someplace like, you know, in Hawaii you hear it and it's it's awful, but you mm-hmm. can't necessarily visualize that. A lot of us have been to Kelowna and mm-hmm. yeah. been around there. So it's uh, it's pretty wild, especially just with the winds. So hopefully a couple more calm days out there, they'll, they'll, they could use it. But you know, on on the tree side of it, mm-hmm. I mean, a forest. What do they say about every eighty years, a forest needs to burn? Okay, right, because that's what rejuvenates a forest. Mm-hmm. A forest, you know, gets rid of disease, gets rid of insects. Um, uh, it makes new life grow up from the bottom. Eventually, in some places, it takes longer than others. But for it cleans out the underbrush, know, underbrush, but it makes new little mm-hmm. like, especially in Saskatchewan, it makes all the aspens grow, which make food for wildlife. You know, f- in those new areas, so. Um, um, it's just not good to see, yeah. you know, fires like like this. But I mean, it does uh, it does bring new life to forests. So um, and that part is is good. And then you won't see a fire in that area probably for another eighty years. Fingers you know? crossed, because because <laughs> it burns all the you know yeah. all this all the understuff. Uh, sometimes when you have these big winds, though, it yeah. doesn't burn everything. It just burns the tops. You know, mm-hmm. and the fire moves so quickly through. That it doesn't burn everything, and so then mm-hmm. you don't get the cleanup of the forest like the, like the fires are supposed to do. Like it but, actually needs. Like it actually needs, but um, yeah, though, this is it's devastating to see that when, especially when he's seeing pictures from my son showing me pictures of you know houses that are totally engulfed. Yeah, you know, like it's it's quite something. Yeah. Well. On that note, yeah, <laughs> um, we do have a couple people waiting uh, on the line here for us. We'll start off with Kelly in Regina. Hi there, Kelly. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Hi, guys. Um, we're just getting ready to lay some sod in the front and backyards. And um, I'm just curious uh, what your recommendation for fertilizer to promote root growth would be before we lay it down. Yeah, you could put there. There is uh, lawn starting fertilizers, and there's also the groundskeeper fertilizers made right here in Saskatoon. Um, you can put that down too because there's a low nitrogen in a groundskeeper. It's only a 16 as a nitrogen, but it, okay. you want the one that has a 10 phosphorus in it. There's there's some some and that's what the starter fertilizers have. The second number is called phosphorus. And the second number should that that's the fertilizer you want to get as one that has the second number in it. Most lawn fertilizers have zero for the second number. Okay, uh, that's more to maintain this maintain your lawn. But uh, but if we're starting it, you want to get the uh, like the if you're going to get the groundskeeper, go with the sixteen, ten, three, seventeen, three. That's the numbers, and uh, that's what I did on my grass, and it just made my grass grow like crazy. Oh, that's. Great. Okay, so we'll go grab the groundskeeper before we yep. lay the sod. Yeah, you can put it down first and lay your sod on top, or you can put your sod down and spread it over top of the sod and water it in afterwards. You can do it either way. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, guys. You have a great weekend. You're welcome. You too. Thank you for your call. Bye-bye. All right, we have Perry in Weyburn. Good morning, Perry. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? I've got a big green ash tree in my backyard, and it's probably, or was, 30, about 30 feet high, if not more. And uh, the, the other night in the windstorm, it broke off about 15 feet of it. Yep. And I just, it's all a big jagged edge now, so I can I just go out and get up there and 
trim it off straight or do I leave it or what do I do with that? Best to trim it off and trim it off on a bit of an angle so the water runs off of it, you know, if it's no, okay. don't trim it flat. Right. Okay. okay. Bit of a bit of an angle so the water runs off of it and then it'll heal better and, and rather than all those jagged edges where insects will get in or water will sit and then in those jagged spots and then it rots and those kind of things, right? Right, right. Yep. Okay. And if it's a big enough wound, you can always seal it up with some pruning paste as well. Okay, I'll do that then. Okay. Thank you very much. Right Thanks, if, Gary. If it's, under, if it's underneath two inches, just let it heal by itself. If it's over two inches, then you can seal it up. Well, yeah, it's about probably five-inch trunk up there yet. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just be careful. If, when you're up there, that's a long ways to go up there to start trimming, you know, so. That's right. Just yeah. be careful. Okay. okay. Thank you. Yep. Yep. All right, we have a, a text that we can get to before we go to a quick break here. Um, this is from Cooper in Watson. I have a big garden. I'm too busy to plant it, so I want to plant half of it or more with grass. What kind of grass seed or fertilizer, and what time of year should I do this? You can plant grass seed any time during the growing season. Otherwise, once you start getting um, more into both the middle of September, then I suggest wait. Okay. Uh, and then wait until you can plant the seed again more at the end of October so it comes up first thing in the spring. Because if I plant it more after the middle of September, it might grow, and then you get some frost at night and it might kill off those little tiny little hairs that come up. So otherwise wait, otherwise do it first thing in the spring, and then no problem. And one little hint I'd have if you're d- trying to do an area and you want it to look nice and neat so that mm-hmm. the grass isn't encroaching into your yard, put a piece of um, edging. At lawn edging in there, okay. and then you'll have a nice straight line rather than it, because it will slowly creep into your garden, that grass. And, so. and the type of grass you put, just put put a Canada number one mix, that's when most people's yards are in, so you're going to match the type of grass you have okay. just by using a Canada number one mix, and uh, you'll see that in... Pretty much any place you can buy grass seed, whether a garden center or you know a, a, a chain store or whatever, so you can you'll get that grass seed just about anywhere. Perfect. Um, before we head to break here, we were talking a little bit uh, off air just about some of the plants that you're going to start to notice, uh, kind of as we get closer to the fall, getting a little more color in them. What are some things that people can be looking out for? Oh, I'm super excited. This is the time where perennials, I find, shine in the yard. Yeah. Um, Joe pieweed, which is uh, a plant that probably goes about five feet tall, um, and it gets bright purple um, blue plumes on it, makes a great cut flower. So that's what I love about a lot of these plants. Mine too. are just blooming right now. Yours just starting to bloom right now. now. It looks great. I I know we had one right by the exit at the garden center yeah. and every year as soon as it comes into bloom we don't sell any joe pie weed and in the then spring. in the spring and <laughs> then as soon as it comes to bloom in the fall it's everyone's i want that everyone's. one yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um rutabecca you'll see them the fall sunflowers that are everywhere they're like miniature sunflowers those are blooming great there's herbstone and um and then a taller one as well too so you can get some different heights going on echinacea Again, a coneflower, a great pollinator, but you'll see those in pinks and whites and oranges and reds. There's so many beautiful colors. They're blooming right now and they love the heat of the, of the summer. So that's okay. why they're great into, into fall so that they'll, they'll bloom during the hottest part of the summer and then kind of, kind of go down for there. And then I have a b- bunch of sedums that I planted in my yard and they are thriving this year. A trick with the sedums is to cut them back early in the spring and then they'll be bushier. Um, and there's two types of I love autumn joy, which is a nice tall shrub type sedum. And then there's autumn charm, which has a variegated leaf, which is really on trend right now too, Mm -hmm. with these big, um, beautiful flowers. Um, and the flowers are just uh, coming now. So it looks really good mm -hmm. to bring that color in the fall. Just to change things up in the yard a little bit. Yeah. I always love adding like a backdrop of Carl Forster grasses in my yard. So it gives you a great vertical, vertical line in your backyard. And there's also a a newer one that has a variegated leaf to it too. So if you're wanting to sort of add some little definition and depth into your yard, that's a good one too. And right now the hydrangeas around town, especially the the (laughs) pinky winky and the Casablanca and the the strawberry sundays. Those ones are just turning white. They're cone shaped. They're turning white and they're turning pink on the bottom right now. And uh, they're just turning their colors, and they just look awesome. They just, they just pop out at you everywhere. And uh, so, yeah, no, those are my one of my favorites. We could talk about fall color all day, <laughs> yeah. so maybe we will. We'll bring it back we'll later. We'll bring it back. <laughs> uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more of your questions. There is a lot going on in the uh, gardening world, in the in the trees, and the lawns people are talking about, but trees have been sort of the big thing over the last few days because of uh, Dutch elm disease yes. popping back up in Saskatoon and uh, literally right next door to yeah. Dutch growers. Right near, right across the street, it's, you know, a, a, a row of trees which have been there 
since since when the PFRA basically mm-hmm. used to be at the forestry farm. And th- that was part of their plots out there. And they planted them like way back, right? Yeah. <laughs> way back when. And I remember as a kid playing in that that windbreak with those caraganas and, and those elm trees there and the plant, building forts with some of the neighbor kids in the, <laughs> in, in that windbreak. And uh, they were this last week, they were trimming some down. I figured, oh, they're starting to trim some down. And sure enough, there was some Dutch elm disease in that windbreak. And so it just brings it to closer to home and think, remembering that we have to be diligent about watching for Dutch elm disease because uh, it's not a good disease to have around with the, with the elms. We have two main trees in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. We have elms and we have ash. Okay, those are two main trees where all small towns, Saskatchewan, and all our cities have planted, you know, in a lot of our canopy trees in the older areas of, of town are yeah. all planted with these. And the disease... Um, can you can you run through us? What will we be looking for yeah. if we're looking for this disease? Okay, so what you want to look for, first of all, is a tree will, first of all, start wilting. So it'll start flagging. So green green leaves will also start drooping down. Mm-hmm. And that's all you'll notice. It might be one branch even. Okay, so you got to watch for that. And then there's call, there's in every town in the provinces they do have places where you can phone and get those trees tested, especially in the cities and towns, because they want to protect the trees yeah. big time. And um, so you check for that. If you notice if it's one branch, sometimes you can you can actually cut that branch off and okay. stop it from spreading through the rest of the tree if you get it early enough, because it's spread by a little beetle. And uh, so this little this little beetle it's 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 an elm beetle, and let's say you have a two inch piece of bark. Okay, this that's all you just take a two inch. Just in, in, uh, imagine this, and that two inch piece of bark could have two to three hundred beetles on it. Wow. That's how small these beetles are, and on the back of these beetles, that's where they carry the disease. That's how it moves around. Okay. Okay. So, so we got to be careful. And then once you trim those trees, you you can trim that branch off. Or you might have to remove the whole tree to keep it from spreading because once it's in the sap system, because what happens is that this fungus plugs up the pores so that the sap can't run. That's why you'll see the leaves wilting for, right? Because okay. it's basically cut off all the sap going up to the leaves. And so um, what if you, cu- if you can cut that branch off, you might be able to stop it, okay? Because okay. there might have been beetles in that part of the tree. And or and then you have to destroy it. You can't keep that tree around for firewood, okay? Yeah. Because all you're doing is you're just making a nest spot in a in a stack of firewood in the ground for those beetles just to to keep reproducing and spreading around. It has to be gone to the landfill and it has to be spread. It cannot go to the compost depot, mm-hmm. okay? It has to go to the landfill and uh, the compost depot will not accept uh, the elm branches, okay? So um, so you need to bring it away and get it get it gone. And, uh, and is there any ways that you can prevent it from even happening? The cities are right now trying to get onto a program where they're trimming the trees once every seven years. If okay. you keep them trimmed, keep the dead wood out of them, keep the tree healthy, uh, and keep your tree watered is number one, and keep it if you can fertilized. Mm-hmm. If you keep them healthy, insects like the like the elm beetle and both the, the ash, uh, the emerald ash borer that's coming this way that'll wipe out all the ash trees as well. They go after uh, distressed trees first. Okay, they like trees, the dead wood. They like like the dead wood. They like all that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. what they're attracted to. Okay, they like to have you know a broken branches hanging down and their weeping sap. Mm-hmm. That's what they'll be attracted to. So if you can keep them cut clean so that there are clean cuts on them and keep them clean, the insects will not go after those first. Okay. Now, so, if this is on my property, is this something I call the city and they take care of, or is this something I'm taking care of myself, or am I calling an arborist? That's that's the next yeah, question I have for you. If it's on private property, it's, your, it's basically that's your baby. It's your okay. tree. Even if it's like a yeah. city tree that was planted there once. Uh, if it's if it's a city tree on city on the city property, then the city will take care of it. You know, it's on the front of your yard and it's on city pro- on the that. The easement. boulevard that piece boulevard or whatever. Piece, yeah. that, that easement that's in front, then the city will take care of it. If it's uh, in your backyard or something like that, then you have to take care of it. So it's, it's important in times of drought like this that we keep these trees deep watered at least once a month. Mm-hmm. But okay? one thing to remember, we said that the city will take care of it. That's as far as if it has disease, maybe taking it down. They'll yes. take care of it on their lawn. But the city is not coming through and watering and fertilizing those trees on those easements. Mm-hmm. So nope. that's the other thing is how to prevent it is to keep those trees healthy. So it might mean dragging your hose out and making sure that you're yeah. watering that tree, making sure that you're giving it some fertilizer. That is so, so important to yeah. do because they, they don't have the resources or the time to be able no, to do that. to do every single tree. In the city, that'd be even no. these people that live in these streets that have a Santa Meridian, you know, mm-hmm. down them with a tree sitting in the middle. 
drag a hose across there, put a Ross root feeder in the ground and soak the ground and give them some water. Mm-hmm. With these kind of droughts, there's just not enough moisture yeah. for them. And the water table's dropped, okay? Because a lot of times there's big trees, they got their, they got their, basically their toes into the water yeah. table. So maybe we need to haul a, a hose across Central Avenue and <laughs> water those trees. Start watering yeah. those trees. We just you know, won't so, tell anyone at the city that yeah. we're doing that. Yeah, so no, it's, it's important uh, to, you know, if people think the water in the grass is water in the trees, mm-hmm. right? Or they're, that, or they're fertilized the grass, they're fertilizing the trees. There's, it's not. You need to deep water those trees once a month. And that's with all your trees in your yard is give them a deep watering. You know, we use that probe down there, you know, because when you water your grass, you water, you know, down maybe two inches, yeah. right? But these roots... The trees need a lot more than that. The trees need a lot more than that. We're so. seeing signs of drought everywhere, whether it's the, the acorns on the top of the spruce trees, the aspens with the dead growth in the top. Yes. Um, the, I'm seeing the, the, what are the false lilacs called? Um the lilacs with the white flowers. Oh, oh the, the, the ivory, ivory, ivory silk, silk lilacs. lilacs. Yes, okay. Thank you. Ivory silk lilacs. Having a brain fart there. Um, I'm seeing some dead tips on those too. Yeah. I'm seeing yeah. um, wilting happening. I'm seeing veining in trees where they're almost looking chlorotic in some yeah. trees. So those are signs of fertilizer and, and, and need for water. water. So. But yeah, like like we see all the, like especially like you just said, Jill, the cones on all the spruce trees. Mm-hmm. The, the last couple of years has been a... Big amount of cones. In fact, the top of the right oh, yeah. in, in the parking lot here at, at the radio station, the, the tops <laughs> of, you can see all the all the cones in the top of these trees, and and a bunch of these trees the to, po, tops broke off yeah. because they had so many cones, and that's because of stress. They're producing more seed because they're stressed, and they need to be watered. And so um, I just can't tell people that enough is that we need to water the trees, not just the lawn. Yeah, you know, and uh, get. Put the water out there to get and these to trees. And remember where the trees need to be watered. They need to be watered in the drip line of the yeah. tree, mm-hmm. which is if you stick Not your hands... Not right at the end of the trunk. If you stick your hands out as far as your hands can go, and that's kind of where the leaves finish on the tree, that's where you need to be watered. Okay. So it's and definitely not... You can't just throw the hose right at the at end the of the trunk. trunk. Yeah. No. No, okay. try to be out. But I mean, sometimes, you know, you got a lot of pavement in areas where mm-hmm. you, you got not much choice. You can't do the whole drip line of the tree. You just do as much as you can. That's yeah, all you can and do. And you can also get Ross root feeders, which are like a probe that you stick down into the soil. Okay. And they'll go down about two to three feet down yep. into the soil and you attach your hose on it and then you can deep feed the yep. roots all the way around the tree too. Or, okay. or you can use a soaker hose mm-hmm. and just turn it on slowly and just let it dribble down. You don't want all the water to be going down no. the gutter. That's you know? actually almost better to do it that way. Yeah. Just put a big ring around it and just put it on slowly so it just dribbles, you know, and you're going to put it on there for like four to six hours and just let it soak slowly. Just let it slowly get that water yeah. that it needs. Get and it. have your piece of rebar so that you can check to see if the soil actually needs <laughs> To make needs sure you're water. actually it's getting the moisture. Moisture. If it's wet, you'll be able to push that rebar right down. If it's dry, you're not. You're going to get a hammer to push it down, right? That rebar. Yeah, exactly. So, All right, we are going to talk more about this, I'm sure, in a in a few minutes. But first, we'll take a quick break for news. We have a few callers waiting on the line. Janice in Saskatoon. Good morning, Janice. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Oh, good morning. Um, I'm I have I'm planning on planting some trees and shrubs in my backyard along just along the fence line. I have some good soil, um, but I'm wondering, do I and I want to mulch as well. So, do I need to, uh, to lay um, landscape fabric down and then mulch on top, or is it sufficient to just put a good layer of mulch? The best is a good layer of mulch if you got plants. If if there's an area where there's no plants, you can use landscape fabric. What I suggest if you've got plants, the plants will love it way better is if you don't put the fabric down. And you want to put about three to four inches of mulch down, and that's what's going to keep those weeds down and the moisture in. If you just put like an inch down just for aesthetics, then definitely you would need the landscape fabric. But you want to make sure that you it's best actually not to have a landscape fabric because the way the water will run into that soil will be a lot better. And the roots grow into the soil Mm -hmm. too. It's quite amazing how they will feed off of that. And just make sure that, like you're saying, three to four inches, Jill. One thing that's important is that once you get up against the trunk of your shrubs or your trees, you need to go down to about one inch against the trunk. You don't want to put three inches up the side right. of the trunk of the tree uh, because that will rot the trunk of the tree, actually. So, so you almost want... make like a little well around each tree and yep. shrub. Oh, okay. And so, and so do you think, do you feel like it's, it's necessary to put the fabric between the shrubs? Or if I nope. have a three inch layer of mulch in between as well? S- save your money. Don't put it down. I okay. I um, don't have any landscape fabric underneath and I just weeded my yard um, and I could just 
go around and pull with one hand and the weeds would come out nice and easy in the areas where the weeds did come through, um, but it wasn't very many places. Okay, thank you so much for taking my question. Yep, you're Thanks, welcome. Janice. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, we have Brian on the line in Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Hey, morning, guys. Morning. I got pretty chilly last night. It went down to three degrees. Yeah. Five. I was wondering, uh, I've got quite a few tomatoes on the vine. Some of them aren't really that big yet. I was wondering if I give them another shot of fertilizer, will it help them grow more as or has the season pretty well growing and for growing come to an end? Well, what you want to watch is over fertilizing and over watering your plants, especially when the fruit is on the vine. You want to keep them consistently watered, but if you fertilize them too much and water them too much at the stage that they're in, they'll actually start bursting and you'll get cracks in your in your tomatoes. So you want to really watch that. I would say you can give them a, a light fertilizer, but I wouldn't be giving them like a, a hard shot of fertilizer right Stay now. Stay away from the nitrogen. Yeah. You want to be more of the potassium. Okay, the third the third number. So you got potat you got nitrogen the first number, phosphorus the second number, the third number is potassium. That's more for finishing your for crop. finishing it, putting the flavor into the fruit and everything else. So you look for a fertilizer that has potassium in it. I but, use that Pro Mix I bought off you guys. I think it's kind of a more of a general fertilizer sort of thing. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's, that's just a, yeah. that's a great all-purpose one. But like I said, don't go and be like, okay, now I'm going to start fertilizing twice a week. Just keep up with your consistent fertilizing and watering right now, right till the end of the season. Um, if you're finding, cover your cover your plants to make sure that you're getting a longer crop that way. And you can also take them off and store them in in layered boxes with newspaper or something like that, and help ripen them in a shed or something too. Yeah, there's a fertilizer. One more quick question. Yep, go ahead. Um, I've got these elm shoots growing all over my backyard. Yep. And I know they're elm because when I first moved into the house, I tried to take them to the compost depot and they wouldn't let me in. Yep. But the thing is, my neighbor behind me on either side, they don't have any elm trees and I don't have any elm trees. Now, could there have been an elm tree at one time and maybe the underground system is still alive or no. it's the elm is probably, a mystery to me? They probably blew there from some seed. If they're elms, they're probably blew there from seed, because they'll come. There's quite a few of them, eh? Yeah, because they'll. It doesn't take much. You get one, especially if you've got a spot with just like a snowdrift. You know, the seeds will blow in and just and just be like a snowdrift, be like a little area where they'll be concentrated, right? And oh, then yeah. they'll start growing right. like crazy. So they probably blew in from somewhere because elms will not tend to want to sucker from the root as much, but they will start from seed very readily, easily. Okay, well, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. Okay, you too, Brian. Call, Brian. Bye. All right, we'll go to John, also in Saskatoon. Good morning, John. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hey, good morning. Um, I got a newly planted linden skyscraper tree um, in the back. Earlier on in the season, uh, it had some fungus issues, and we did three applications with uh, Bordeaux spray. Yep. And that seemed to smarten the fungus right up. Um, now, my question is, where there was uh, yellow fungus on the leaves and whatnot, it's now gone to a brown, crispy, dead spot, I yep. suppose. Yep. Um, is that normal wear yep. for the leaf? Yeah, that, that'd be normal if it had the fungus, because the fungus doesn't go away. The Bordeaux will just suppress it and, and, and also make it so it doesn't spread any farther. Okay, that's what the Bordeaux does. So now what you're just seeing is you're seeing the damage that the fungus, fungus did, did it caused to the tree, but the fungus is no longer active on there anymore. So you're still going to see that damage um, once those leaves fall off this fall. Next spring, I would gather those leaves up and make sure you dispose of them. Don't use them to compost or don't use them. Um, yeah, just exactly. leave them on the ground. Just gather them up, put them right into the into into your bin, and then you can uh, you can go ahead and uh, enjoy hopefully a fungus-free tree next year. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All the leaves are looking good other than those spots. Yep. Um, we haven't seen any new leaf growth. There's a few buds that are on these little branches. Um, I suppose it's just the end of the season, not a new growing you know, season yeah, right now. Yeah, they won't be. They they finished doing their flowering, and they won't put a lot of growth on right now anymore. And they're going to be start, you know, by another couple of weeks. They're going to be September first, right? So yeah, <laughs> even yeah, less. You don't want to be fertilizing. So, yeah, so you're going to be. You're not fertilizing that tree anymore. You basically want to get it ready for wintertime now. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Bye now. All right, before we take a quick break, we had a question called in by Sasha in Osler. Uh, when's the best time to fertilize poplar trees? In the spring. 
Okay. Yeah, not now. No. So you want the poplars because they'll keep growing and growing, and then you'll get a lot of tip kill if you let them keep growing way into the fall. You want them to, to drop their leaves, and a lot of times poplars will drop their leaves either green or they'll turn yellow and fall off, and they'll okay. do that around the usually around the 26th of September. Okay. That's when poplars usually drop. And I know that from the fields. I used to have to wait until I had a certain spot where I had to put my pre-abrasion herbicides down. Because once the poplars dropped their leaves, uh, the ground was covered with leaves. I couldn't put my herbicide down. <laughs> but and I so, usually, if you're if you're at the garden center and you're grabbing some fertilizer, grab some 301010 fertilizer, and that's what you'll want to start fertilizing with. Next spring. Next spring. And so sometimes you want to grab it now so you have it next spring and start fertilizing right in May and then fertilize every three weeks right up until June, July 15th. And, and those poplars, you'll get... Easily six, if you fertilize and water those trees, you'll easily get six feet in a year. Oh, wow. You have growth. Okay. <laughs> so uh, a big tree that just needs a lot of food. A lot of food, yes. All right. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll get back to more of your calls and texts. Bernie, Monica, Bonnie, all waiting on the line. You'll be next. Uh, we have a couple people patiently waiting for us on the phone, so we'll start off in Hudson Bay with Bernie. Good morning, Bernie. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Uh, I have a linden tree that's about... 15 years old or something, and in the spring I noticed that the bottom part of the trunk was full of little holes all the way around, like from a sap sucker or whatever, and so I filled them with tar as much as I could, but it didn't really fill out really nice this year, and I'm wondering, is it going to survive? Yeah, just make sure you give it a good watering. Lindens love to be watered, okay? Okay. So, So make sure they get a good deep watering around the drip line of the tree. You can even do that right now. And uh, and then again, if you get do one right now really well, and then do one again around the second week of October. Okay. okay? And then water in between that, but I'm talking about a deep water, okay? Uh-huh. Um, um, but otherwise... So would, that, fill it, would, would filling the holes, would that have stopped no, sap from leaking out? No, that would have been fine. You had a sap sucker. A sap sucker's love is coming through, especially in the spring, and they uh-huh. love lindens. Okay. Okay. And so, um, but I mean, unless you have multiple, multiple rows of holes, like the rows of, of holes. Oh, there's quite a bit. Yeah. So if you get too much, then obviously it, it cuts off the sap from going up. It makes it harder for the tree, right? Uh-huh. So the best thing to do is for, especially for uh, early next spring before, you know, right when this, in the beginning, basically the beginning of April is wrap that area. Uh, with a tree wrap or put a burlap around it, whatever, mm-hmm. to keep the sap suckers from going to the same area again. Okay. okay. You don't want them to go. And they, when they come through with the migration, they won't do that all summer. They come through in the migration in the spring and they make another bunch of rows of holes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you can get them uh, from not doing that in the spring, uh, that, that will be huge. You can take it off again in June, you know, beginning of June. And then they've moved on to their nesting areas in northern Saskatchewan. Okay. And uh, then you'll be fine. Okay, sounds good. Thank but you. Water, one more question. Water, I have water, two, and fer- uh, water and fertilizer, though. That's next spring, okay? Okay, thank yep. you. Uh, I have a couple of like, tower poplars, I think they are. Yep. And they're about eight feet apart, and yep. one of them is really big. It's probably 25 feet high. They're planted the same time, same day. Yep. And the other one is about half the size and half the amount of branches and leaves and everything. What would cause that usually it causes by something happened either either might have been root bound in the pot okay so the roots are growing in a spiral you know round and round in circles well it, i didn't get it from a pot i dug it out of somebody's lawn oh okay you dug it out of some, then that wouldn't happen then so um like both of them came out of somebody's lawn of somebody's lawn and then they, they grow up from there there there's no uh damage on the bark or anything like that is no there, there doesn't appear to be it's just it just never did uh like the other one did. One did so well, and the other one is really poor. It yeah. might just be the way the water's running in your yard. Maybe yeah. it's not just getting as much water. Something happened with that little seedling that when you when you cut, dug it, it but it's, they grow so fast, they put a new root system on so quick, it's funny it never caught up. Usually it will catch up after a while. Uh-huh. But, well, that's what I thought it yeah. would do, but it didn't. So one thing you had to watch, if, if that tree is stunted and not growing very well, it, it can attract what's called a, a, a poplar bore. Okay. Uh-huh. Those poplar borers will go after stressed trees. Okay? okay. So watch for that tree. If you see any sawdust around the base of the tree, 
then it's time to think about getting rid of that tree because otherwise it'll spread to your other good trees. Oh, okay? yeah. Okay. So watch for that. Watch for little round holes about the size of a ballpoint pen head, you know, about mm-hmm. usually around your head height. That's where they'll start, or they'll start at the top 10 feet of the tree, mm-hmm. and then you'll see the, the branches starting to die. And then okay. you'll see little bits of sawdust around the base, and some people think it's ants, but it's actually a poplar bore. Mm-hmm. And they go inside and mine the inside. Now, you watch for that, too, is maybe you had a poplar bore in there, and maybe that's... But you would notice branches, dead branches at the top of the tree if well, you had a poplar. Well, there isn't actually any dead branches on it. Yep. They're all alive, but yep. they're just sparse. There's just sparse. Yeah, there's just... Something's happened with that tree genetically, or something that... Or there's something happened that it did, the roots never formed properly that uh-huh. is not keeping up to the other tree. Or, like like Jill was saying, the, the other tree might have been getting a, a spot where there's more nutrients and more water to, to grow better than that one did. You know, it could be a whole bunch of questions. Unless, unless I mean, well, they're I, only I, about six feet apart, so I can't imagine no. that there'd be any more nutrients in one place than the other. No, it should be the same if it's that close. Uh-huh. No, there's just something wrong with that cutting that's right from the start that made it genetically somehow didn't want to grow as the same as the other one. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks, Bernie. Survival okay. of the fittest with that one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have Monica in Conquest now. Good morning, Monica. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi. Um, I, have a fun- I have 62 pine trees at my place, and I have a fungus in them. I had the fellow out to spray and then he said uh, he'll come every year for another three or four years. And I was just wondering, like, the trees that have kind of died off a bit, there's dead branches in them. Is it okay to leave those dead branches, or should I be cutting them No, tri- trim them out. Okay. If there's dead branches, trim them. Any dead branches you have of any tree, if they're dead, trim them out, because that just leaves more spot for, for disease and insects to move into, or especially insects, and insects bring disease, okay? So okay. best to trim any dead branches, trim them out. And right now with spruce trees, uh, or especially pine trees, now's a great time to prune them. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Yeah. We just uh, hopefully will get rid of this fungus, you know, and uh, yep. then I can save my trees. But Yeah, yeah. no, it's, okay. it's, it's, once, it, once the fungus starts spreading, you want to keep on top of it. Otherwise, yeah, and keep those trees well watered as well if you can. And, uh, you know, with a water tank or whatever you can to get them through this drought, because that'll help them get through this fungus part, too. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah, so it is okay to spray them once a year, or should I have them coming more often? Well, sometimes if it's really bad, sometimes you want to do it three times a year, about 14 days apart. But if you spray them once a year, if that's what you can do, that, that'll it helps suppress them, because he uses basically what it does suppress and keeps them from spreading. Okay. So if okay. you've got some trees that are really specimen trees, then I would end up doing it three times in one year, and then you can okay. keep on top of it. But if you've got that many trees, if you can get them once a year, that would be a big help as well. What, what the spray okay. is doing, it's suppressing the spores from spreading, so it's killing those active spores. So if, as soon as a new spore forms, you need to kill that as well too. So just watching watching the trees yep. and seeing those active spores on there. And like I said, keeping the tree healthy, like getting some water to them is going to be a big one too to help them get through that so they can get uh, be healthy and not be weak, have a weak immune system to not fight off the disease. Okay, yeah, I have some there that are probably 80 years old that are healthy. Tremendously high, so I imagine they're finding a water source below them somewhere. I suspect, yeah. but yeah, I'll see if I get some water to them. Great idea. Yeah. Thank you so okay. much. You're welcome. Okay, yeah. bye bye. I know. Uh, we can probably do one text or two before we head to break here. Um, this one coming from Scott in Saskatoon. I have a bunch of full-sized green San Marzano tomatoes on my plants right now. Should I pick them and let them ripen so the smaller ones on the plant have a chance to grow larger before frost, or should I just let them ripen on the vine? Um, well, I have some tomatoes like this in my yard too, and I was examining it, and there's some of the big ones are so tight together mm-hmm. that they're almost starting to deform the, the shape of the tomato. So what I did is I went through and I pulled some of the ones that were looking a little bit more ripe off the vine. Okay. Let the, they were sort of like a pink color. I'm going to ripen those ones in my shed. And then the other ones, then it gives more room to them as well too. I also take, took some stakes and I staked my tomato up because it was getting so heavy yeah. so that some of those underneath ones can get more light, which is going to help them ripen as well too. So. And sometimes you can yeah. just even, even if you, even if you get so many leaves and that kind of stuff, having mm-hmm. those tomato cages, like Jill was saying, it's kind of layers, areas of leaves so the mm-hmm. sunlight can get in to ripen them quicker. And sometimes if you've got a whole bunch of leaves, you can just, Take a couple leaves out in a few 
uh, special spots. Yeah, that just puts to let a little more light, little in. more light in if, there to help. If you look at the way that they're growing yeah. the tomatoes in like mm-hmm. um, a mass production, they actually string them up and they oh, actually okay. prune the leaves off of them as they grow to allow more light and, and airflow get into the plant. So. All right. In the vineyards, in like Kelowna, let's say mm-hmm. we talk about Kelowna, in the vineyards, what they do is they they the, they run the rows basically. Um, uh, north south. Okay. Okay. And then the sun comes up in the east and it drops in the west. So right? you get the full day. So what they do is they, they leave the, all the leaves on the west side of the plant because that's where it's the hot part of the day. Okay. But they actually trim the leaves on the east side of the plant so it lets light in in, in the morning so that helps to ripen those plants, those grapes better. Mm-hmm. Perfect. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll get to more of your calls and texts on Garden Talk. Bonnie's been waiting patiently on the line through the news break here, so we'll dive right in. Uh, Bonnie and Davidson, good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Um, I planted some Albion strawberries last year from Bear Root, and they wintered over really well. Uh, and it wasn't long into the start of the season that, that they developed what I've learned might have been um, iron chlorosis. Um, I never did get around to putting any iron chelate, but I did do some fertilizing with, I think, 2020 fertilizer. They've never really lost, you know, the yellow veining in the leaves and things like that. So that was one part of my situation. The other was we got sprinklers put in and not far from where the strawberries are that get watered with the automatic sprinklers are some sweetheart uh, spireas that I had started myself. And they've been really good last year. And this year, I'm suspecting they're having some of the chlorosis situation as well and i'm wondering if you know partly if the soil it's a property that wasn't uh gardened probably for over a decade so i felt it was fairly rich in nutrients um but wondering if also the water is contributing to the iron situation how uh, if i should be addressing it now uh, you know while there's still time and if i do it with a chelate, you know, is the liquid better than the, than the granular? How yes. often, how often are you, how often are you fertilizing just in general and what, what fertilizer are you using? I wasn't really using, I think I only fertilized the spireas once or twice and I was using, I think it was a 2020, um, and probably only once a month on the spirea and the strawberries. Okay, so here's here's what you got. You to get the chlorotic away, you got to use some best to use a liquid iron. Okay, and you can do that now because you want to bring mm-hmm. the the plants healthy so they can make it through the winter time. Okay, you can't really over iron a plant. Either. Well, you you can burn you can burn it. So just go by the directions on your liquid iron. Okay. Also, use a liquid product. Yes, use a liquid product. Also, what you want to do because some of the some of the granular is more of a slow release. You want a quicker okay. release, okay? Also, okay. what you want to do is that's just that's like giving the tr- a plant a vitamin, okay? So that'll help give it a, a, an interim fix, okay? But mm-hmm. you got to fix the long-term fix, and the long-term fix is checking the pH of your soil. You have an al- okay. you have an alkaline base type of soil if you have a chloros- chlorotic plants like that, okay? And it okay. might be your water, even your water might be high pH. Like I, I get water, my water comes from Blackstrap Lake, okay? The alkalinity mm-hmm. in my the Blackstrap Lake water is hugely high, and all my maples are turning chlorotic right now. And so okay. I put, a, I even put a Tagger 90 around them, which is, a, which is an elemental sulfur. An elemental sulfur or aluminum sulfate, either one you can use, will help lower mm-hmm. the pH and then help your plants uptake. And, I'll, if we, and for your lawn, I'd be using the groundskeeper fertilizer because it has a 17 sulfur in it, okay? And okay. even when you even when you get the because your your tree your trees and shrubs and everything grow into the grass or in that and you can when you spread even your lawn fertilizer using that seventeen um, uh, that sixty it's a basically groundskeeper it's a sixteen ten three seventeen which is a sulfur and then a three which is iron again okay mm-hmm. so that helps combat what you're having the alkalinity in your soil that you're having even for your okay. grass okay yeah. and then once you combat that alkalinity then you need to increase your fertilizing yeah. a little bit more too um with your strawberries with the amount that you're needing to water them in that area you could probably be fertilizing every every two weeks yep. um okay. starting in may and then with your mm-hmm. shrub as well i would do it every three weeks i would do it right mm-hmm. up until july 15th and your strawberries use an acid-based fertilizer mm-hmm. okay that's going to be like a fruit and berry would like be great. Like a fruit and berry, it's an acid-based oh, fertilizer. Okay. So, so you're so at your 2020, 2020, not your, the 2020, no, but something that's for flowering. More for flowering or for evergreens. 
okay? Mm-hmm. Or for okay. Fr- or for fruit and berry. It, it has okay. to be an acid-based fertilizer, and then that way you'll have way better okay. results. And then with your strawberries, a lot of people think once they start getting the fruit, they want to amp up the fertilizers to get more fruit. You actually want to slow down on the fertilizer once they get the fruit. So you're actually wanting to get the fertilizer, going to get the growth of the plant, the roots, and then the flowers mm-hmm. going, and then you want to slow mm-hmm. down on the fertilizing at the end of the season. But, but you get so some- I found it... I found it interesting that it was my first time growing strawberries, mm-hmm. and I did it in a raised bed. And like I said, they were from dry root last year, or yep. bare root last year, and they wintered over amazing. Like when I took all the straw off and everything, mm-hmm. they were still green. Yep. Like, well, know, good job. They, you insulated them dying. well. Yeah, you mulched them. Yeah. That was the key is the mulching. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, but then it was after then that I started noticing that the deficiency because I think I on the on the gardening in Saskatchewan Facebook group that's where it was suggested it was a chlorosis issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and the but, chlorosis issue comes the base of it comes from your alkalinity and your pH of your soil. Okay, so it doesn't matter how much because I'd put oodles and oodles of compost in to kind of sweeten it up. Because um, not knowing it was a new yard to me that hadn't been gardened like well over a decade, um, but it doesn't matter. It is what it is. Yep. Yeah, and yep. you can always get a soil pH tester. Test mm-hmm. your soil. Make sure you have distilled water when you do that, and just see where mm-hmm. that pH is sitting in there. And it might be different in sure. different areas of your yard as well. Okay. Now we put new sod in just a month ago. Yep. Um, so, so the same thing with the groundskeeper fertilizer. Like you said, you know, it's looking good now, but of course it hasn't experienced any potential yep. deficiencies or you know, nutrients. If you got if you got is- issues with your strawberries, you're gonna have, you're gonna have is- you, if you if you put the the fertilizer with a with a sulfur base in it. You're, mm-hmm. you're, it'll just do way much, way better. And it's not too late to add that extra application of that groundskeeper right now, oh, too. So it's, okay. it's a great fall. Okay. It's a great fall fertilizer application. So once we get into September here, you can put your fall fertilizer down, which is the uh, and with the especially with your new lawn, put the groundskeeper mm-hmm. that has ten phosphorus in it as well. And so that groundskeeper, you can. I do it again, like it, like what I should I do it again, like at Thanksgiving or just nope. now, nope. and that's it. Usually around September long weekend. And then, ne- okay. then do it again in May next year or end of April. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Do you have others waiting on the line? Uh, we do have to go to a break in about 40 seconds, but if you have a quick question, okay. we can probably get to it. So cedars, I also put in new cedars because we took down about 80 elm trees in this yard and yep. had the roots ground and then five, like 50-year-old spruce. And I did sweeten with calcium, like, you know, I was told, um, I think probably by your garden line, um, and tried to amend the soil as much as possible. And I put in new cedars, you know, the six-foot cedars. Yep. Um, anything to do, like, hopefully they'll survive, you know, but I've tried to do everything I can, um, watering them lots as per your instructions. Um, do I, how long do I keep up that? Um, watering for this first season, and when should I be stopping? Slow, start slowing down after September long weekend. Keep mm-hmm. them moist, okay? Like you do not just slow down in the water, but don't go totally dry. And then, okay. and then once you get about the middle of October, give them a really good soak again. Okay. And then you may awesome. want to, you may want to, if they haven't established a root system yet, you may mm-hmm. want to think about putting the burlap uh, protection around them just for the first winter only. Okay. Okay. Because I noticed this year too, no matter where I I bought at three different places, yep. um, and they all had a very, very, very clay-like soil yep. around them, which I was astonished by. Yep, that's because um, they come from British Columbia, which is a they're grown in almost like a clay type of soil. All right, sorry, mm-hmm. Bonnie, I got to cut you off here, but thank you so much for your call. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more garden talk. Uh, we're heading back to the phones with Faye in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning. I have a mugo pine that's about 15 years old, and it seems quite healthy, except some of the inner needles are yellow. And I know you've talked about that before and what it could be and what we can do about it. But unfortunately, I didn't write it down, and now it's happening so I'm wondering if you can help me. Okay, pine trees will naturally always, on the inside, will lose some needles, okay? They all, whether it be a scotch pine, muco pine, doesn't matter. They do that in the fall, okay, every year. But something that causes more more than usual, especially in, in, in years that it, where it's hotter, is spider mite, okay? So, and they, so spider mite, another one is called scale, 
and another one is is another one that that uh, that will be bad. And so you'll see little white dots all over your needles if it's scale. Okay, so okay. that that you can take care of when they're crawling, when the fuzzy stage, and you can spray them then. But spider mite is hard to see them because it's you almost need a magnifying glass to see the spiders. Okay, the mm-hmm. webbing is really tight against the branches in between the needles. It's not like a big Charlotte's web that you see from branch to branch. It's little fine webbing in between the needles. And then also your, your needles on the inside will be more of a grayer color as well. That means that the insects are, are sucking the juice right out of the, out of the needles. And of course, mm-hmm. if that happens, then they'll turn yellow and they'll fall off as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the biggest one is number one is, yeah, keep it well watered, keep it fertilized all the time, and that'll keep it healthy as well. And watch for the spider mite. And, uh, but there will be, no matter what, there always would be some that will turn yellow and fall off in pines every year. This is, it's a natural thing for them. Okay. So is there anything we should put? put on it now to stop that the only thing you do right now is if you want you can spray them blast them with cold water okay because spider mite don't like cold water so do that every once a day just blast them with cold water okay or you can use a product called malathion and and that that's a a bug x out or no bug x out malathion malathion it's hard to find that right now Um, but, uh, but the, uh, but otherwise if you have a malathion that works good, uh, or just even a, a soap and water. Okay. will work, will help suppress them. It doesn't get rid of them completely. It helps suppress them as well. Will malathion get rid of them? Yes. Okay. You have to spray them both three times, 14 days apart. Cause there's different generations of eggs that'll catch, right? So you're not going to get them just on one spring. And it's okay to do that this far into summer. Yes. Not a problem. Perfect. Thank you so okay. much. Yep. Thanks, Faye. Bye. All right. We go to Donna now. Good morning, Donna. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I've got a, a lily bed that's about, well, 15 plus years undisturbed, and I wanted to dig it up and work it and then put them back, some of them. And I was wondering if I should do that now or wait till spring. I would wait till spring to do it. Um, if you wanted to dig them up, work it, and then kind of put your bulbs into storage, then you could do that. Um, but I do find that they they do survive the winter if you plant them in the spring. You can do it right now if you take a nice big root ball and then pull them aside and do it that way. But I find with the lily bulbs, they do better with spring planting than they do with fall planting. But they will. But the only reason, I like, because we do sell some lily bulbs in the fall as well mm-hmm. to plant. Just make sure that if you wanted to do it this fall, because you don't have time in the spring, just mulch those areas where you have the bulbs in and then pull the mulch back in the spring before let them come up. Yeah, so you can do it both, but my preference is spring. And do I fertilize them in the spring then? Bone, bone meal when you plant them in there again. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks, Thank you Donna. very much. Bye now. Bye. All right, we have a couple texts that we can get to here. Uh, this one is from... Uh, Daryl in Saskatoon uh, tried the groundskeeper because, quote, Rick said, <laughs> uh, stuff is awesome, way better results than I've had before. In fact, I am giving the grass another dose today. Should this be the last feeding for the year? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Any, any time between now, like I said, even if even if you wanted to wait until the September long weekend, that's fine. But if you if the last time you fertilized them was in the spring, you could do it now, not a problem. All right. It'll just get that lawn healthy so it can get through the wintertime really well. Sounds like a plan. Um, this one is coming from Greg in Wawoda. I have newly seeded grass about three weeks old, anywhere from one inch to six inches high that hasn't been mowed yet. And I'm just wondering when I can spray for broadleaf with trillion and when I can cut and how high I should cut it. You shouldn't do any spraying until after the second cut. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of those weeds you don't have to worry about. I, like I seeded up. My whole acre is just about now. Mm-hmm. And actually those weeds, those weeds actually protected them during the hot part of the summer. They actually protected all the little fine Kentucky bluegrasses. So I just kept mowing the weeds and, uh, and, but, um, I didn't worry about them. Um, so, uh, yeah. The, and if, right now in the, on the old areas that I, that I seeded first, mm-hmm. the grass has choked out all the weeds. The weeds are gone. Okay. And so, um, other than a few perennial weeds that are tougher than anything, but uh, mm-hmm. but other than that, don't worry about the weeds, and uh, not at least until after the second cut. Okay. Um, this one is coming from Mark in Saskatoon. My niece established a new garden on the acreage this year. The potatoes were abundant, but very scabby. 
Uh, the potatoes were planted in a different area with new seeds. Again, scabby. What could be causing this and what can we do? Usually it means too much compost. Okay. So that, that's too much, too much, too rich a soil almost, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's where, or otherwise it, you sometimes have to leave it for two years or three years. Uh, you think about the big companies like McCain's and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't own any land. They basically lease their land because they'll put a crop in one year and for the next two years they'll put wheat in it or canola in it or something else in it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go back to that field again later. And uh, so then they, they prevent the scabbing. So that's the big one. And just don't, not too much nitrogen. Um, uh, just make sure that you're, and you're not too much compost in the soil. And that's the big one. All right. Um, this one is coming from Lorna. What is the latest month to deep water trees? Deep water in the trees. I, I like to do a last deep water in the trees in both in October. If I can, okay? Okay. Especially, so slow down until October yeah. and then give them a little bit so of a shot right, right in October. Okay. Right now until September 1st, you still want to water as normal, mm-hmm. okay? But then once September comes, because then our, we had a caller earlier. Remember yes. he said it was plus, th- you know, plus three. Yeah. So we had a plus five to plus three for one night and now the rest of the days are warm again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's coming in September. We're going to get that constantly now. And so that means everything's going to start slowing down. So we don't need to water as much as we do when it was... 37 degrees, right? (laughs) So, uh, but we're still into the areas where we're going to still get some warm weather. And so you want to keep watering. But once we get to September, we want to slow down the watering, especially on your evergreens, and then give them one last good soak again uh, in in the middle of October. I I don't say don't turn turn off the tap. Okay. Slow down, even your lawn, slow down the watering because if you water your lawn, you've got your timers on coming every day or Mm -hmm. twice a day. I mean, your trees are not going to be able to slow down either if you're if you're watering that much in your lawn. Yeah. So you need to slow down everything. That and just reminded me, I need to change my timers. Change it. <laughs> not yet. Not okay. yet, but soon. And Put the reminder in the phone. It's coming up. Once mm-hmm. you start getting lower temperatures at nighttime uh, consistently, like we're starting to get around five a lot at mm-hmm. nighttime, then you want to mem- mem- remember to, you can actually change the percentage. Most time clocks, if you have a time clock, have a percentage. So you can change it down from 100%. You can change it down to 30, 40, 50 or whatever mm-hmm. without having to reprogram your clock. Okay. Okay. So it's pretty easy to just change your percentage down and then that'll cut down the amount of water. Perfect. And that brings us to our next news break. We have a couple of people waiting on the phone line, so we'll dive right in, starting off with Judy in Regina. Good morning, Judy. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Yes, good morning. I have a zucchini plant. It's healthy, it's blooming, it's producing zucchini. But on the outside leaves, it's got like white spots. Okay, well, there's a few things. One thing is zucchini leaves can have healthy white spots on their leaves, and it's just part of the variegation in the plant. So check that first. But if you can actually rub the the white spot and it comes off, it's something, it's a mildew, and it's called powdery mildew. It's a fungus. And what it's caused usually is by extra humidity. We see that lots of this time of year um, when we have the dew um, sit on the leaves, and then and then you start seeing that. Um, there. At this point in time, once your zucchini have already kind of ripened and, and everything like that, and they're looking good, you've got your nice, nice healthy one. I'll actually just trim some of those outside leaves right off my plant and get rid of them that way. Okay. Um, but you can also spray it with a garden fungicide or a garden sulfur spray as well too. And that will help prevent it from spreading. Now remember that this powdery mildew is a fungus, which is spread by spores. So if you're touching it with your hands, then go touch other plants. You're going to spread those spores. So make sure you wash your hands in between handling those leaves okay 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 thank you for your time you're very welcome bye bye now uh we have lorraine in saskatoon good morning lorraine what's your question for rick and jill today hi we don't like to use herbicides and poisons and all that kind of stuff um but we've got so much first lane coming up through our graveled area now that it's impossible to just go and pick it out yep what can i use (laughs) if it uh, Honestly, can, honestly, yeah. picking it. Because Roundup, Roundup doesn't work on it, okay? There's not too many chemicals that work on it. The only thing you probably could use on it, which works, but it, but what happens is if you use a herbicide on it now, it's gone to bloom already, okay? And so the, it'll still go to seed, 
Okay, and it's still the seed will, even though you sprayed it, the seed will still go down on the ground and you still have more. So by picking it, you pick up all the seed and get rid of the seed, right? That's the one thing about picking it. And so, but if you're going to use one, use one, use one called Weed Be Gone, and it's an iron base. And basically what it does is burn that plant off. And it's one of the safest ones to use, okay? Yeah, okay. So it's called Weed Be Gone, and it's it's iron. It's iron-based, okay? So that that's what it'll just basically desiccate the plants and burn them out. And, um, yeah. and that's probably, the, if you don't like using chemicals, that would be the safest one to use. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, yeah. Lorraine. Bye. Bye now. Uh, we have some texts we can get to here. Uh, this one is from Arlene in Saskatoon. Is it too late to fertilize cedars? Can I use Miracle Grow or yep. is there something you would recommend? Too late. Okay. Too late. Do not fertilize the cedars anymore. Um, fertilize them starting Mother's Day next spring. Okay. Do it every three weeks until around July the 15th and then approximately July the 15th. Mm-hmm. Depends where your three weeks ends up at. And then, and then quit again for the next year. And her question also was, what type of fertilizer should she use yeah. starting in May? So you want to use an acid-based fertilizer. So there's a whole bunch of them out there, whether it be 30, 10, 10, or there's a 28, 12, 14, and there's, a, so there's a different ones out there. Mm-hmm. But you want to use an acid-based fertilizer basically for evergreens. Okay. And that's the one you want to use for, ever, for, the, for your cedars. All right. Um, this one is coming from Elvin in North Battleford. Uh, I have several shrubs in my yard that have grown larger than I would like. How far can I cut them back and at what time of year? Yeah, it depends what type of shrubs you want, but if you want to cut them back that severe, you wait until the fall. Okay. Until they've, the leaves turn color or fall off at least, or do it in March or the first week of April. You can do it either time. And if okay. you ever have an evergreen shrub, you never trim past the green. You yes. always stay within the yeah. green. Yes. But a lot of the other shrubs, if they're dormant, you can actually do quite heavy pruning on you them. Can, depending what the plant is. So mm-hmm. what you may want to do is just, you know, take some pictures of the plant and bring them to the garden center or send an email to info at if you want. And then we can tell you which trees you can prune down and which ones you want to be careful with. Yeah, and a lot of times sending that email and then following it up with a phone call is really handy too because it's a lot easier to have those conversations over the phone. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, This one is coming from Aaron and Candice in Mooseman. We have a maple tree we had to cut down last year due to a windstorm. We cut it level with the ground, and this year we have 10 new shoots growing which are uh, two to a whopping six feet high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what can I do to protect these growth uh, when winter comes? Okay, just leave them. They'll be fine. Just want to slow down the watering. Maples want to keep growing like crazy. Like I said, six feet in one year, okay? Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is maples tend to, you don't want to fertilize them or anything else. I like cutting my fertilizer off in maples around July the 1st because I want them to shut down in the wintertime and yeah. be able to be able to. So once, once you get around September long weekend, slow down the watering, okay, big time, and enough to keep it alive. And then, and then about the third week in October, second week in October, give them a last good watering then. And because you want the leaves turned yellow, if it's depending on type or red or whatever yeah. type of color maple you have. And if it's turned yellow, that's the best way. Then what you can do next year, uh, you can actually start trimming some of those branches off. If you only want one, a single tree, mm-hmm. you can start choosing, but don't start cutting them all to one right away. You know, every year, See which one every does year, whittle them down to which one, you know, you want to take with some of the small ones out and concentrate on the bigger ones. And then, and then what next, the next year you may take another one out and then the following year, then you're going to take the last one and only leave a single one up. Now, and if you wanted to look more like a, a shrub, like them all coming, so should you cut them all evenly so that yep, they, they're can, kind of like what you yeah, would do for pruning for leave, your shrubs? Leave three in a triangle or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they have enough space so that the trunk can grow, you know, so you're going to leave three of them as a clump. Yeah. Just make sure you don't pick two that are right beside each other because the trunks will just grow into each other and then there'll be weak spots. Okay. okay so I have a hot wings maple at my house and I just noticed that there is some shoots coming from the bottom yeah. of my tree. Should I be burning those ones down or should I just be cutting them off at the base? Well, if you get them right away, right, if you get them right when the leaves pop out, just mm-hmm. take your finger and just rub them off. Okay. Okay. No, it's quite a big stem. It's quite a big stem. Then you can trim them. But what happens every time you, if you leave them when they're big, trim them when they're, you can trim it. But then after that, when they start coming, new ones start coming off, rub them off right away. Okay. Okay. But you'll have to trim it off to begin with. Yeah. But what happens now, if you leave them, if you don't rub them right away, then you let them grow long, then you cut it off and you stool it. That means you'll get two coming up where you cut Yeah, it. that's what's happening right now. So now you want to do is, is once a week, rub them off with your fingers, or you can use a product called uh, Advance mm-hmm. or, or, um, 
or Top Gun, I think it's called. Yeah. And you can spray them on, and basically it's horticultural vinegar or horticultural soap, and that just burns off those leaves. So yeah, because mine's coming up about like six inches off the main branch. Yeah. So as soon as you see a leaf appear, just take your fingers and rub them off. Okay. Easy enough. Easy. Got it. Um, this one is from Roy and PA. We have a tamarack tree in our yard. It's dropping needles and is all brown. Normally that doesn't happen until around October. What could the issue be? Probably moisture. If yeah. it turned all brown, it'd probably just dry. Okay. Um, so watch for that. Uh, mine, some of mine turned yellow. That's because my water is really alkaline. So I had, mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that, I quickly put some, some, um, some tagger 90 around them, some sulfur around them. Okay. And then just to combat that, that alkalinity in the water. But, uh, but if they turn totally brown, it's probably because they, they got too dry. Um, remember the larches like to be, the Siberian larches can be dry land. Mm-hmm. If it's a tamarack, which is the sister plant, they like to be wet. So uh, it all depends on which one you have. Uh, but if it's most of them around here are Siberian larches, and uh, they can be dry land, but they can't be, they're not 100% like bone dry. Okay. So yeah. I love up north seeing the yellow color yellow. of those yeah. in the fall. And, and up north, those are mostly tamaracks where yes. they go around the swamps. Mm-hmm. Okay, those ones. It's nice to get the Beautiful. color variation as we go up because we kind of yeah. see one sort of type of tree in the city. And then as you get, get a little more north, it starts to feel more foresty. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Boundary Bog. Remember, we used to go see that. I know it's closed yeah. this year, but uh, it, that's the hike we used to always do in the fall all the time up by Waskasu. Yeah. And the tamarack trees were beautiful. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. It looks like we have Joe waiting for us on the line. You're listening to Garden Talk. A couple more callers on the line here. So we'll start off in Saskatoon. I want to start first. We had a little little fun time during the break here. Yeah, we did. We we were talking about the lake and and right now the fish flies are up. Like by the zillions. (laughs) And so if anybody has any suggestions on how to get rid of a zillion fish flies, it's, it's, it's like the kids go down. We need to know them. The kids go down. We had a video of the kids going down to the on the quad, on the quad and of course the once again the quad the fish fish flies just attack the quad right i think and, the best one was at the very end of the video which you never heard aaron that one of the little girls who i was taking care of she yeah. gets off the quad she's like wait for me and the other one turns around she's 13 she goes yep. every man for themselves <laughs> <laughs> the, like it sounded like they were in a horror movie you know the oh. screams the, the noise and you could barely hear the screams over the buzzing there's so many there's of them one in my mouth <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like that's one of those like staples of summer, you know, yeah. getting oh, attacked by I've, some sort I've of bugs. Just, they, I've never seen them this bad though. Like this, you, the sky is just full of them. It's like if it was daylight, it's because it come out at nighttime. But in the morning, the house is just covered Ugh. with them. Like it's just, uh, it's gross. <laughs> I was parked on your driveway and I I go to the gym early in the morning. So I went out to my car and my car's white and it would look like it was like a dark gray oh. car. It was just disgusting. <laughs> you look out the window, it's nah, you maybe get not. the leaf blower. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait till the cycle's done and they're just, they die for the wintertime. Like there's so many of them. <laughs> All right. We'll go. Maybe Joe has a, has a theory for us uh, in Saskatoon. Good morning, Joe. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I, I don't even know what a fish fly is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know. They're just, they're like a giant mosquito type of thing. Ugh. Okay, yeah. well, um, yeah, I got a problem with uh, knotweed in the lawn and this year it seems to be really bad. It's spreading virtually uncontrollably. It, it's a weed in the lawn, you said? Yeah, knotweed. Oh, knotweed, okay. And it's spreading like crazy. So there's two ways you can do it. One is the knotweed will spread both by, by seed and by root, okay? So that's what makes it so tough to stop. I mean, to stop it from seed, you can use corn gluten. That helps to help the seed part of it, and it stops a lot of you know uh, weeds from spreading from seed. And you can put it in your lawn. You can put it in your shrub beds, perennial beds. You just cannot use it in the garden, okay? Um, but in that, or otherwise, you can use, um, like I said, what, what probably works the best for the knotweed is probably the iron-based for, for uh, herbicides, which is the uh, which is the Weed Be Gone one. Okay. That's probably the one that works the best, because the other ones, even the 2,4-D doesn't work very good on it. Mm-hmm. So probably using the iron-based, which is the Weed Be Gone one, is probably the best one to use if you want to use it, and use the corn gluten for stopping the seeds from regerminating. Okay. Um is it possible to outcompete the knotweed with grass seed? Absolutely. Any weed you can. 
Yeah. Yep. Okay. Any weed you can just fertilizing and keeping keeping your fertilizer, you know, good and you know that has to do with watching your pH of your soil so the plant is healthy, is your grass is healthy. Okay. So I don't know what it's it, under where, stress. Yeah. Like the it, it was that what five weeks without rain. Yep. And and then the lawn just kind of said I'm parking it. And yep. And that's when that's when the in things like ants move in and that's when the weeds take over. And so keeping your, if you can put the water to it, that's the big one, and, and over overseeding it, especially early in the spring when we do get the rains, okay. that's a good time to do it. If we get rain. Yeah, if we get rain. <laughs> Otherwise, put it down late in the fall. If you're worried about getting rain, put it down late in the fall, the end of October, Yeah. and then uh, work it into the soil a little bit with a, with a rake, okay? And then in the spring with the snow, uh, it'll, you'll have the spring moisture, and the seed will come up with the spring moisture in the spring. What's your recommendation for the type of grass? Uh, depending on if you, you sound like you're more dry land, so then try to using more of a, a dry land, a drought tolerant type of a grass seed. And there's ones out there that see heat and heat and drought, or there's ones like uh, uh, Western Parks from Early's Farm Garden Center. That's a good okay. one too. That likes for more drought areas. Okay. Okay. I, I've got a, a beautiful, like huge patch of cactus. You, you know those really low yep. Yep. bulbous. Yeah, the ones you don't walk barefoot in through. Or touch with your hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So you you want to go more dry land. So look for a look for a heat and drought mix, or uh, like I said, a, a sports field mix, or, or or Western Parks or something like that. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Joe. All right. We head to Kelly and Elbow. Good morning, Kelly. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi there. Uh, I have a row of Parkland pillar birches, and I've always heard Rick say, you know, water the drip line. Is it? like a standard for all trees and shrubs or do is there like a rule of thumb i should follow that's a standard so the drip line of the tree is where the edge of the branch is not right at the trunk but parkland yep. pillar remember they only grow six feet wide so they stay pretty close to the trunk anyways right so um so you're pretty good with parkland pillars anyways but uh but the drip line is a standard for all trees that's where the main feeder roots are is right there okay okay yeah great to know thanks so much all right thanks kelly uh, we have a text uh, in about the uh, fish flies, actually, from oh, uh, Cooper and Watson. We were talking with Cooper a little bit earlier today about uh, putting grass into that garden space. Yep. Uh, he says, uh, try spraying with pounce or yep. silencer. Okay. So. so they're probably spraying the grass and everything with pounce. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's uh, that's one thing you can try. Good. <laughs> Maybe. Awesome. Oh, there's just so many of them. You just need more birds. I need more birds. I have a flock of 50 blackbirds right now. They're eating the grasshoppers <laughs> and they're eating also the fish flies. Yeah. And so I love seeing that the flock fly in and they just, they're just in a big group and they just keep, you see them just picking and eating constantly. They could bring more friends. That would be great. And the worst thing about <laughs> it is that my purple martins, they left about a week ago. They go oh, down to yeah. Brazil, right? So they drive, they have a long ways to go. So they left about a week ago, right when the fish flies came. And I said, it could have stayed Those a long, week Martins, longer. They did a good job cleaning things up and keeping yeah. the mosquitoes away this yeah, year. They did a good job, but like I said, they left a week too they early. Just, they missed out on the buffet. Yep. <laughs> um, this uh, text coming from Renee in North Battleford. Uh, I planted white spruce seedlings in the spring um, with high wind and some sunspot this winter. Is there anything I can do to help them this winter? Um, so spruce seedlings, you said, right? Uh, yeah, it said yep. uh, white spruce seedlings. White spruce seedlings, yeah. So just big, biggest thing is uh, watch if check the pH of your soil. If your pH is, is up above 7.4s or if you take one of those little home kits, if it's really dark green, mm-hmm. then you need to put uh, some aluminum sulfate or sulfur down. You don't need fertilizer down, but you can still change the pH of the soil, which will make them hardier. Okay. Okay, that, that's probably the biggest one. And other than that, just make sure that you slow down the watering after September and then around the middle of October, give them a lot, one good watering, a good heavy watering. I'm not saying don't shut the water off after yeah. September 1st, just slow down the watering and then one last good watering at the, end, at the middle of October. All right. And that brings us to the end of the show for another week. It went by really quick. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest thing is now is get out in your garden. Make sure you're covering at yep. night for your garden. Uh, make yep. sure you're watching out for pests. Keep things healthy by keeping them watered. And get out there and enjoy and go find some flowers in yeah. a f- flower farm this with this weekend. Yeah, bunch yeah of lots of you pick options. Lots of you pick options showing up all over the place with fresh flowers. Yeah. I think I'm going to go do that this afternoon. Yeah. Why not freshen things up a little bit? You've been listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.